I invite you to remain standing as you are able for the reading of God's holy word from John chapter 19, verses 26 through 27. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It is indeed a joy to be leading and worship this morning to be gathering together with all of you in this season of Lent. As many of you have been hearing, if you have been worshiping with us over the past few weeks, our Lenten focus this year as a church body is paid in full. We are seeking by Easter to eliminate uh, our debt as a congregation so that as we celebrate the resurrection of Christ, free us for new life, we as a congregation will be able to be freed for the life that God has for us, envisioning new ministries and new possibilities when we are not bound by the debt that holds us. I am excited to share with you that as of Friday, um, we have received towards this paid in full project $72,393 so far that is we we have then a remaining balance uh, of $244,607. And so as we continue in this season of Lent, as we continue to look towards the freedom that Christ offers us, um, I invite you to continue to discern what God might be leading you to do to participate in this work of the church. I also want to say this morning a word to our children that are worshiping with us here in person and those of you worshiping with us online and via broadcast. I hope that you got your children's packet with your children's bulletin and a special page for today's worship service. Um, later on in the sermon, there's going to be a chance for our children uh, to, to show us those pages um, so that, that we can celebrate this the power of Christ to impact all of our lives in this time of worship. And now let us turn to God in an attitude of prayer. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When I was in seminary, I had the amazing opportunity to go for nine months and to serve in a community in Thailand. In this time, I was able to serve with a nonprofit over there. I was able to visit communities that were in need of assistance, that were in need of liberation, that were in need of so much. And I was able to learn about the people and the culture and the churches that were seeking to do God's work over there in that northern part of Thailand with the Hill Tribe peoples. As I was there, about a month in to my nine-month stint, I became a little homesick. I was yearning for food that was a little bit more familiar. Um, I was longing to have the hug of my family and the support of my friends that I missed across the world at that time. 
And I was having a conversation about this with my host family that was there in Thailand. And I was expressing to them my anxieties about my upcoming visa renewal and how to do all of this and how it was just really hard being away from home. And they said, well, Kat, they all called me Kat over there. Well, Kat, we can't be your home, but we hope that you are at home with us because we consider you to be a part of our family. And they made for me then spaghetti that night, which is not normally a dish made in Thailand, but they were doing their best to show me love and care as a family would, because as they said, I was a part of their family. And that meant so much to me, as I know it means to all of us to feel love, to feel care, to feel like we are not alone in the most difficult and, and disruptive times in our lives. We want the love and the care like that of family. In this moment on the cross where we encounter Jesus in this third week of Lent, we find his words here on the cross are not addressed to God as they were two weeks ago. They were not addressed to the criminals that were hanging on the cross as they were last week. But instead this week he addresses these last words to his beloved, his few beloved, that are still gathering there, awaiting what is to come with him. Many of his disciples, many of those whom he loved, had left. They could not stand, they could not stay there at the foot of the cross and watch what would befall their loved one. But in this moment, Jesus looks down and he sees his mother, he sees Another Mary, he sees Mary Magdalene, he sees his mother's sister, and he sees his beloved disciple. And as he calls down to them from the cross, he offers those words that are familiar to many of us who have heard this story on Good Friday. Woman, here is your son. And to the beloved disciple, he said, here is your mother. Other translations say, woman, behold your son. Behold your mother. Often scholars for this text remark that Jesus' mother in this time was being provided for. Because as a woman in that time without a husband who was alive, without a son, she would have struggled to make ends meet in that ancient world. And so Jesus is indeed providing for his mother in this moment. But I believe that Jesus is doing even more than that in this moment. Especially when we consider who Mary was and the words that he says to her. Woman, behold your son. Those words are used earlier in John's gospel. Some of us might remember as Jesus speaks to his mother at the wedding at Cana. When at the end of the big wedding festivities, the people have run out of wine. And the mother, in order to preserve the dignity of the hosts, calls out to Jesus to do something about that. 
Jesus says, woman, my time has not yet come. But Mary, the mother of Jesus, ignores this pushback and tells the stewards, do what he tells you. She ushers in Jesus's ministry at that time, urging her son to begin that ministry of miracles that would define his life. Perhaps it is not only Mary who is being provided for here, but perhaps it is also the disciple who is being given a mother who will lead him in his life and ministry just as she helped to usher Jesus into ministry before. The word woman also might have been received by those early hearers of John's gospel, reminding them of the first woman. The first woman who came to earth as God had created the heavens and the earth and God created a man, a dom, to roam around the earth but then decided that it was not good that man should be alone. It was not good that man should not have a relationship, a companion, and so God created woman. You see, we are created for relationship. We are created for love. It is in the essence of who we are as those created by God. And many times, though, this being created for relationship often for us may bring up visions of the ideal family, right? Adam and Eve, man and woman, husband and wife, with 2.5 children and a dog and a picket fence. That ideal family vision is what an ideal relationship looks like, right? That ideal family. But here on the cross, Jesus is creating from those who do not have family, a new type of family. He is ushering in a new type of relationship and responsibility for us who seek to follow him. Jesus was often at odds during his life with traditional understandings of family for the Jewish people. When one man approached Jesus and said, I wish to follow you, but first let me go bury my father, Jesus says, you follow me and let the dead bury the dead. Jesus also told people that in following him and in the life and the world that he proclaimed and the kingdom that he came to bring to earth, he would actually cause division among families. He said, from now on, families will be split apart. Three in favor of me and two against, or two in favor and three against. Father will be divided against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother. Jesus was recreating what family looked like, what we understood to be family and the crux of our deepest relationships. For the Jewish people, family was very important. It was the center of their worship. 
Worship didn't only take place for the Jewish people at the synagogue or at the temple, but it took place in the home every Friday night as families would gather around and celebrate Sabbath together. Family was central for worship and for living out lives of faith. And what Jesus does in his life and his ministry and here on the cross, I believe, is create a new understanding of what it means to be a community and people living in relationship in worship and in living their life of faith. In bridging these relationships and putting people together here, in his love, Jesus is creating the church, a new family in which we are called to worship and we are called to live out our faith together. After all, Jesus said, my brother and mother and sisters are those who do the will of my father. People who follow Jesus are family to one another and thus they have, we have, a responsibility to one another. Oftentimes when we think of our families and when we think about our responsibility for care, to care for people, we may say things like, we care for our own. We take care of our own. And while we are called indeed to take care of our own, I wonder for Jesus where my own ends where those, those boundaries are and that, relation, that level of relationship that necessitates a responsibility to care for one another. I heard this week an interview with a journalist, Jacob Ryan, who's a journalist in Kentucky. And he was doing an update on the recovery efforts from the tornadoes that ran through Western Kentucky earlier in this tornado season. He said that he interviewed a woman from Bowling Green whose entire home was destroyed. She and her children had to move in with her parents and she was struggling to figure out what life would look like. But the woman told him about the incredible care that she had been given by the community around her, particularly her church. She said, I didn't know many of these people. They were strangers to me, and yet they were bringing me food to feed my family. They were going to the store and buying new clothes for my children. I was overwhelmed. And she said, it made me wonder, would I do this for those around me who were strangers? In Jesus, though, I believe that we're not strangers. We're children of God. And all of us are responsible for one another. Perhaps you saw on the internet, on social media, and in different places and articles a couple of weeks ago an image of a train station in Poland that was across the border where Polish families had gone and left baby strollers for those refugees fleeing Ukraine on the trains who, when they got into Poland, would need baby strollers. It was as if those folks in Poland were saying, these are our children too, and we are called to care for them. Many times in Christ, 
and in faith. The boundaries and the borders of what defines who is our own that we are responsible for are broken down. And that's a challenge sometimes. I love and I adore my family. They are incredibly precious to me. And I do want to take care of them as my own. But I think that there is a challenge sometimes when we think about our responsibility to care for our families. That if family is defined as those whom we love deeply, those whom we have deep existing relationships with, who look like us, who talk like us, who have the experience of us, it can be a barrier to witnessing and bearing the burdens of those who are different, but who are also part of our family as children of God. Jesus was adamant that the suffering and the grieving, the oppressed, the poor, the hungry, they belong to God and they are ours too to care for. And in the world Jesus came to usher in, we are all of us to care for God's children. A friend of mine shared a story of her husband who upon coming home one evening, discovered a homeless man that was laying down on their front porch. Upon discovering this, my friend became very concerned. She said, he appears to be drunk. Do we need to call the police? What's going on? But her husband said, let's hold off for a second. And he went out and he spoke to the man he said he needs water. He needs water. <laughs> and so she went inside and she went out and brought the water to him. She made a sandwich and brought it out and gave it to him. And he was laying on the porch, sitting on the porch, lounging on the porch because his feet, his feet were hurting because his shoes were too small. And so as my friend walked out once again, to bring out another sandwich for the man who seemed so starved for food. She saw and witnessed her husband giving his shoes to the man. My friend says that in that moment, she witnessed how she had turned away and wanted to turn away from one of God's children, but, but she said, I saw in my husband a hand of Jesus, obeying those commandments from Matthew 25. When I was hungry, you gave me food. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was naked, you gave me clothing. Offering himself because we are simply called to take care of one another. When I've gathered around the bedside with people in my congregations over the years who have been dying, there are many beautiful words, last words that are spoken, like these last words of Jesus that we are looking through now. 
And every time it seems that I gather around with those families, the one who is dying offers the words of encouragement to their loved ones, saying, take care of each other. Take care of each other. That is Jesus' words here from the cross. Take care of each other. And he says these words to his mother and to the beloved disciple, but I believe that these words are more than just for those two individuals, but they are words for all of us. Behold one another. See each other as my beloved because you are my beloved. Behold one another. Take care of one another. Love one another. In our children's packets today in worship, there is a box with four different squares in it of people that we are called to love. One of the boxes says that we are called to love our family and there is an encouragement for children to write down names of people in their family that they're called to love. Then they have their friends. Then they have people that they don't like. And then they have people around the world. As Christ calls us to behold one another from the cross, echoing the words of so many who are dying to take care of each other. It is an invitation for each and every one of us to join this new creation of family that Jesus is ushering in. A new creation of family that frees us from isolation and from disconnection and from perhaps families that are supposed to love us and don't. Jesus gives us something new here, freeing us for life in a beloved community. This is difficult for us. It takes a major shift in our thinking, in a world and a mindset and a culture where we often think we have responsibility for our own and you take care of your own. But with Jesus, we are responsible for each other. His love is not limited. The cross is not limited. He didn't just die for his beloved disciple and his mother. He died to redeem the whole world, each and every one of us. His love was for each and every one of us and therefore our love and our care should be for all for whom Christ died. The cross was for the world to renew us, to save us, and to give us new life where connection knows no bounds and where we all have the invitation and the opportunity to live in fully to life everlasting. Let us behold one another as Christ beholds us, offering care, offering comfort, and offering love everlasting. Amen.